Welcome to the Fresh Nest podcast, where we talk all things freshening your nest, from decluttering to design, decor and home styling. I'm Hannah Bullivant, an interior designer, interior stylist and content creator, and I teach folk to declutter, design and decorate their home from a place of self-knowing. Welcome to another episode of the Freshness Podcast. Following on from my podcast about surviving a renovation, a listener emailed me to ask what to do when you need to compromise. This chimes in with a few of the conversations I've had recently with clients, and I've decided to make this episode all about how to compromise on your finishes in a renovation. So this listener says... Like every renovation story you've heard, our budget got smashed by invisible fixes and all the things I was dreaming about getting are no longer possible. The thing is, it was the finishing details I was dreaming about and what we saved for. The wooden bifold doors of dreams, the kitchen pantry, the lighting. And now that we can't afford them, it all just feels a bit disheartening when we've lived through a year of total upheaval and stress. I know that we are in such a privileged position to be able to do this work, but I guess my question is how to... Keep hold of the exciting bits. Is there a way? So this episode is for you if your budget has been blown or is just slightly more than you thought and you need to figure out what to prioritize in your renovation. I will be talking about how to compromise, what to prioritize within your budget and also the impactful objects to think about investing in. I'm now going to talk a bit about where to spend and where to save. This is something I get asked about a lot. So if you have emailed in or messaged me about this, then I'm also covering these answers here now. I recommend one of two approaches when it comes to spending versus splurging. The first one is spending money according to your loves and your values. So I'm talking like something that makes your heart absolutely sing, something that you've really loved for a really long time, because having that in your home will make you happy in a really deep level. The second approach is more practical, and that is to invest in comfort and touch points. So that means going for the most comfortable bed, mattress and seating that you can afford, and then save on items that are easier and cheaper to replace, like soft furnishings and accessories. If you work from home, a stylish but comfortable office chair is indispensable because these pieces work so hard every day. Another way of thinking about comfort is touch points. This is where you will physically touch items in your home many times in a day. So prioritizing quality here will help your home to have a sort of gently luxurious and tactile quality to it. So I'm thinking it's it's things like switches and sockets, also like cupboard, window and door handles, things like that. So thinking about where you touch things in your home and prioritizing the quality finishes in those places. Generally, you probably want a mix of both of those approaches in your home. If you feel a bit unsure when it comes to big ticket items like a sofa or a bed or like a primary wall colour, I think it's a wise approach to go for the most neutral colours in your whole home colour palette. This is so they stand the test of time, minimising the chance of you hankering to change them a few years down the line. Then add colour with cushions and other accents. Interiors can be really, really wasteful, so choosing things carefully at this stage can save a lot of heartache 
and landfill. Neutral big ticket items should withstand your own changing tastes and desires. And you can add colour to them and play with trends in accessories, which are far easier to update and replace. Okay, now let's talk about how to compromise. Because very few people will be able to buy all of the dream objects, colours and finishes for their home. What then? Then we compromise. But compromising is actually an art. <laughs> there are ways to compromise that still retain the integrity of your values and your vision for the space. And I suppose I want to backtrack a bit and say that is why it is so important to have a really clear brief or a design file for your home before you go into this. Some place that summarizes your values, the things you love, your style, so that when you do have to compromise, you've got a kind of something to fall back on to look at. Making a design file is the key work in my Fresh Nest e-course. You can check that out at hannahbullivant.com forward slash Fresh Nest if you want to read a bit more about the design file. Let's say you have made a design file, you have, you know what your style and values are, you still need to compromise. What do you do? I've got some tips for you. So the first thing is look for items that are similar to your dream items. So let's say if you specified a mid-century table by a specific designer for your dining room, simply look up other mid-century tables, which may be cheaper from a lesser known designer. Go for a designer knockoff rather than the real deal. And I just have to preface that by saying I don't generally recommend the designer knockoffs. They're not as good quality. I generally recommend supporting designers where possible, but sometimes budgets are very tight. The second tip is to look for the exact item that you want, but second hand. So set up alerts on secondhand sites like Facebook, Marketplace and eBay and start looking for the exact item, but second hand. My third tip, look out for factory seconds, uh, sales and deals. This is also why I recommend starting your sourcing early before construction, definitely before construction. So having all of your main finishes and objects and desires nailed down in a design brief before construction will really help you. And then if you do it far enough in advance, you can be following these items on the suppliers' websites. And then when it comes around to things like Black Friday or other seasonal annual sales, you can make use of them. So starting early can save so much money in your renovation. Number four, compromise on certain finishes. Look into colour matching designer paint. Sometimes colour matching designer paint is really good. Sometimes it's really bad. The key is you need to buy small tester pots of both colours and test them. Go for the basic plumbing and electric bits behind the scenes so that you can splurge on priority purchases. Number five, don't complete certain plumbing and electric jobs. This sounds really strange, I know, but if there are certain bits of plumbing and electrics that you don't actually need as a priority, then maybe you don't need to completely finish it. What I mean by that is that the key thing is that the pipes and wires are in the correct places. That's the expensive thing. So if you can't afford to att actually attach them to anything at the early stages, prioritize placement and then have the wires and plumbing pipes capped. Because if they're in the right places, then when you can afford the basin or the wall light, it's a simple fix down the line. But the main priority is actually getting the wiring and the plumbing in the correct placement. Number six, 
Instead of the dream fabric in your curtains, which can get very expensive very quickly, use it on an upholstered headboard, an ottoman, or a pair of cushions, and then use a cheaper, plainer fabric in the curtains. Number seven is weight. It can be frustrating if your budget is blown. Sometimes you just simply have to make do with what you've got and wait. And this might mean living in a temporary kitchen for a year or two, or making do with an old bathroom, or make your windows last for as long as you can. And yes, it is frustrating, but that is the reality for many, many people. Number eight is decide what objects will have the biggest impact in the room and allocate your budget to it. You need to have some method of prioritizing the work. And you might want to prioritize that work according to comfort or according to a visual wow factor or a bit of a mix of both. And I've got more to say on that. But yeah, a tap, a tile, a bed or fabric can fulfill this role and enable you to spend less on other items in the room. Visually impactful objects to invest in. If, not when, you need to compromise on your budget, you will need to prioritize what you'll spend on. The key here is to identify your priorities. Is it comfort and touch points, like I talked about earlier, or is it visual impact or a mix? When it comes to visual impact, my background as an interior stylist means I have so much I want to say. I have spent many hours, I mean, maybe even days, analyzing what looks good in a space. And I've tried to distill it for you. So the visually impactful items are like the hero objects in each room, the items that stand out and draw the eye. Allocating your budget to just one to three of these items means that even if you have to compromise elsewhere, your room will still look really beautiful and elevated. And then you opt for more budget-friendly finishes elsewhere in the room. So this is subjective. All designers and stylists will recommend different approaches here, but ultimately your opinion is what matters the most. You need to think about where your eye is drawn when you step into a living room and what things you most love. But I am going to talk you through where I think the impactful things really are. Let's start with the living room. When I look at pictures of a living room or spend time in living rooms, there are generally a few things that always catch my eye and elevate the room. I'm not saying that you need to have all of these things in your living room, but if budget is tight, investing in one to three of these things will look great. So a standout fabric will always draw the eye. But rather than spending money on covering sofas and having curtains in a standout fabric, instead cover an ottoman in it and have a few pillows made with well-made oversized cushion inners. A beautiful pendant or a pair of wall lights or floor lamps will always draw the eye. Similarly, a pair of art prints or a nice grouping of art prints will bring a nice sense of balance and harmony and add pattern as well. So I reckon it's about a beautiful fabric, not necessarily covering the whole sofa and the curtains, even just in a small way. Good art in a nice grouping or a pair and standout lighting. Okay, let's move on to the kitchen. Again, subjectively, this is about what I think really looks great in a kitchen. And it would be about prioritizing one to three of these things according to what you love the most and what you think stands out the most. So in a kitchen, lighting, really gorgeous pendants over an island or over a table or some wall lights, good tile, having beautiful, impactful tile, colored cabinetry, vintage cabinets in a kitchen and a really gorgeous tap 
or a really beautiful range. So obviously all of those things together is probably going to blow your budget. (laughs) But I think just prioritizing a couple of those things will really help to make your kitchen look really put together and really, really beautiful. If we think about a study, often a really beautiful desk light does all of the talking in a study, but also a nice shaped desk or chair and a lovely art piece look great as well. In the dining room, a dining table and chairs can sometimes be quite hard and angular. So I really like it when the lighting contrasts it by being curved or a contrasting colour or size. Built-in cabinetry painted in a lovely colour is something a room like this often really benefits from. So in a dining room, it's again about the lighting, an absolutely beautiful massive pendant over the table. Also the shape and style of the table, built-in cabinetry and art. Moving into the bedroom, and I reckon the things that give the kind of wow moments in a bedroom is mostly down to the textiles and the fabrics. So it's things like what's on the headboard and the things on the bed and the cushions and the pillows, but also with a good pair of bedside lamps, with the lighting, and again with the art as well. So when I think back over what I've just said, and again, it is subjective, but I think that the things that make the biggest impact are decorative lighting. So standout wall lights, a stunning pendant light, or a pair of table lamps. I just think they they will always draw the eye and look brilliant in a room. I also think the common theme there was about pattern, because time and time again, when I look at the images of spaces that I really love, it's the pattern that draws the eye, whether it's a patterned pair of cushions, curtains, bedspread, or the art. Having something in your space that has a bold pattern whether it's stripe, floral or geometric, will always draw the eye and it will also add colour, texture, contrast and a delicious focal point. Lastly, I think some of the things that summarise what I've just talked about is actually in the colour. So having something in a contrasting colour in a room really entices and excites the eye. So whether it's like a bright blue sofa in an otherwise white room or a room that's completely painted pink or teal or the addition of a bright orange cake stand on plain wooden shelves... Often colour is that sort of contrasting item that really kind of zings in a space and draws the eye. So if you do need to prioritise things that make a visual impact in a room, I reckon prioritising lighting, decorative lighting in particular, pattern, something with a really good pattern and something that has got good colour is a really good way to go. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about some warnings about sourcing, because after all, we are talking about shopping, ultimately, aren't we here? So the first thing I'm going to say is not to get or shop for everything all at once, because it can really lack heart. Generally, if you kind of go somewhere and get everything in one shopping trip, it really dates the room and it can look a bit soulless because it takes time to gather really special soulful items for your home. So again, if you are planning a project, this is another reason again to start early. It takes time. Sourcing cannot and really should not be rushed. This does mean being prepared to sometimes spend hours a week scouring the internet, shops and markets. At certain points in your renovation, it can literally be a full-time job. My third tip is that you want to mix old and new. 
Don't buy everything new because it will look like a home catalogue. It can lack personality and it really dates the room to the year that you bought it. So let's imagine that you go to Zara Home and you've got a lot of money and you decide to furnish your entire house in Zara Home in the winter of 2023. It means that your home will instantly be dated to winter 2023. Whereas if you spend time sourcing and have things from different eras, it literally makes your home more timeless. My fourth tip is you will almost certainly need to compromise. We've talked about that so much already, but prepare your heart and start early. Know what your priorities are. Number five, you will feel overwhelmed. The bigger the project, the more decisions you have to make. But even small projects can have an astonishingly large number of decisions to make. Having a design file or a brief is going to massively helpful. And that is why we do what we do in the Freshness D course. But whatever you do, you need to have really good plans and start early. Number six, don't make a pressured decision. If you are feeling very pressured to make a sourcing decision by your trades team or somebody else, ask for 24 more hours to give yourself time to properly think about it. There are very few decisions that cannot be put off by 24 or to be honest, like even two hours to just give you some time to catch your breath and ground yourself. That is when mistakes are made. And again, this is why you should start early. But sometimes even if you start early, things change and you have to make a last minute decision. But just ask for a little bit of time to think about it. Reminds me a little bit of media training. I used to do public relations and we had to do media training. And if you ever get put on the spot by someone in the press, you always have to say, I'll get back to you on that. Thanks for the question. <laughs> so that's what you need to say to your trades team. Number seven, the last tip, variety is absolutely key. So don't buy all your interior wares from the same shop. You want to mix antique with new things, mixing in with things you've already got and family heirlooms, and just generally cast your net as wide as you can. So that is generally what I've got to say about compromising and sourcing for your project. I just want to wrap it up by saying it is very normal to need to compromise. Like most people will need to do this, but you can prepare and get ready for it by being really on it with your brief, with your design file, and just making sure that you know what your priorities are. Whether you want to go for comfort and touch points or visual wow things or a bit of a mix, make sure you're clear before you go into your renovation and your future self will very much thank you. So thank you for tuning in again to another episode of the Freshness podcast. If you've enjoyed it, send me a review. And if you have a question or if you've got something that you want me to answer, you can send me an email or you can send me a message on Instagram, information in the show notes. All right, until next time. 